Thanks, Cody. Appreciate that. Let's turn our Bible, shall we, to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. I'll meet you there in a few minutes. 29 people are getting baptized this weekend. 11, 8, go ahead. Yep, yep. 18 adults and 11 students, which means I'm going to be very brief in my comments. Appropriately so. And, and listen, though very brief, if that leaves you with some questions, maybe this is your first baptism service with us. And, and what I'm about to say is, is going to be completely new to you and you're not quite understanding it. Like we have highlighted a, a full length sermon that I preached on baptism several years back on our website. And I would encourage you to go to our website and check that out if you want more, if this leaves you with questions. So full length there for now. A few short comments. Here's the first. First thought, three of them. Number one, baptism is an act of obedience. Baptism is an act of obedience. Something we're told to do. Like the Apostle Peter said in Acts 2.38, repent and be baptized, every one of you. Repent, repent of your sins and sinfulness. Repent and be baptized, every one of you. Of you. He said that at Pentecost, it was true then, it is true and applicable now. It's a command, repent and be baptized. Or as we find Jesus saying it in Matthew 28, go and make disciples, baptizing them. As you are making disciples in the course of discipleship, baptize those who are coming to faith in Jesus Christ and beginning to grow up in Jesus Christ. Baptize them. So baptism is an act of obedience in response to the commands. If you've been here for, oh, I don't know, I think there's been about 40 baptism services in the course of our short existence, our almost 20 year existence as a church now, you've heard that before. Maybe it hasn't sunk in before, and maybe this is your first time and, and it needs to sink in right now. It's a command. If you've never been baptized as a believer, hear the command. What it's not, what baptism is not is an act of salvation. Hear that as well. Baptism is not an act of salvation. Baptism doesn't save us or even contribute to our salvation. Not, not 10%, not 1%, not one-tenth of 1%. Baptism neither saves us nor contributes to our salvation. If it did, if it did, it would be a work a work, what the Bible calls a work, something tangible that we do or don't do in order to be saved. That's a biblical work, something tangible that we do or don't do in order to be saved. But the Bible says that we're saved by grace, grace, and that salvation is a gift, not a result of works. Not my words, not a result of works, God's words, not a result of works. 2 Timothy 1.9 says that God saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works. You see it? Not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace. That is, because of his own decision, his own purpose, and his own favor toward us. Unmerited favor. Favor that we don't deserve and cannot earn. We're saved by grace, not works. 
Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says the same. For by grace you have been saved. That is, once again, unmerited favor. God's unmerited favor toward us to pluck us from the miry clay, to cleanse our hearts, save our souls from the consequences of our sin that we all deserve. For by grace, that all happens by grace. By grace you are saved. It says through faith. And this is not your own doing, this saving. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Here it is. Not a result of works. So that no one may boast. So baptism can't be an act of salvation. It can't. Or even part of it. Rather, it's an act of obedience. We get baptized because we're saved, not to get saved. We get baptized to glorify the one who saved us, not to justify or save ourselves. It's an act of obedience. Second, baptism is a picture of salvation. Baptism is a picture of salvation. Check it out, check it out. Dead to sin, alive in Christ. It's the implication of the scripture. The the actual act of it, it, you, you can't escape the symbolism. Dead to sin, laid under under the water, alive to Christ. It's not the only symbolism involved in baptism. There's a lot more, but it's certainly one of the more apparent ones. Dead to sin, alive in Christ, just like him. Look at Romans chapter 6, verse 9, there in your Bible. The Apostle Paul is writing, he says, We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. Just read that again to yourself. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion, no longer has power, no longer has bondage over him. For the death he died on the cross, the death he died, he died to sin once for all. In other words, he's no longer bearing our sin. The Bible tells us that Jesus bore our sin in his body on the tree. But when he died for our sin, he no longer bore our sin. And this is confirmation. For the death he died to sin, he, death he died, he died to sin once for all. He's no longer buried. He's no longer burdened by it. He, he's dead to it. He's dead to it. Sin no longer has an effect on him. Our sin no longer has an effect on Jesus. None. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. The life he lives, he lives for God's glory, God the Father's glory, and God the Father's renown. He lives to God. The life he he lives, he lives to God. Verse 11, so you also, he's speaking to believers, so you also, must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus, in union with Christ Jesus, connected to Christ Jesus by grace through faith. 
you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God. You know what that is? Being dead to sin and alive to God? That's salvation. That's the core, that's the essence of salvation. Dead to sin and alive to God. Being dead to sin that is no longer constrained by its power and its consequences and alive to God, passionate for him, awakened in your soul of souls to him, to him. And baptism pictures it. Dead to sin. Alive in Christ. The picture of salvation. Third, baptism is an opportunity to witness. Baptism is a golden opportunity to witness. One of the best opportunities to witness that God gives us. One of the many reasons for baptism. It's an opportunity to show and tell. Remember kindergarten? Show and tell. This is kindergarten all over again, right? Baptism is an opportunity to show and tell what God has done in our lives. Like David said to God in Psalm 40, verses 9 and 10, I have told the glad news of deliverance in the great congregation. I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. That's witnessing. And that's exactly what each and every person is doing by getting baptized and sharing their testimony. They're showing and telling of God's work of grace in their lives to the great congregation. It's an opportunity to witness. Listen, if that's news to you, and I hope you listen carefully, I've prayed, we've prayed that you listen carefully. If that's news to you, listen carefully. And if you've never been baptized as a believer, make a commitment to do so next time. There are people who are going to be baptized this time because last time they made a commitment well knowing that they've never been baptized as a believer, well knowing that they've been resisting, well knowing that they've been disobedient to the scriptures. And the Lord impressed on them that the time has come. Enough is enough. No more rejection of God and his word, but full acceptance. I'm getting baptized as a believer. If that's you, listen carefully and make a commitment. But if you are not a believer in the first place, if you're not saved, start there. Start there, because once again, baptism doesn't save you. God's grace saves you through your faith, your belief, your trust of Jesus and what he did and who he is. If you're not saved in the first place, start there. Listen closely and give your life to Christ because you're going to hear, well, 15 times over in our service, three waves of five you're going to hear multiple people speak of the one gospel in their own words as to how God got a hold of their life and their heart and drew him, drew them to himself. You listen carefully. And if the Lord is knocking on your heart, if your heart burns within you as they are speaking, 
I assure you that's the Holy Spirit using their words to imprint his, himself on you so that you will turn and make this the day of your salvation. Start there. Let's pray. Lord, do a work, we pray. Do a work. Do a work, God, of glorifying yourself. Do a work of, of salvation. Do a work of solidifying our, our, our own salvation for those of us who have already given our lives to you, been saved by grace. God, do a work in all different ways, we pray. Use these baptisms as a witness and an example and a cause for worship. Use them, God, for your glory and our joy. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And so many thoughts. Maybe I'll work backwards. Some of you have been coming in the front door for years or months, and you're still hiding. Don't you think that if the Lord has brought you and if the Lord has gotten you out of bed and out of your house and into the car and then out of the car and then into these doors, that he's doing something in you? Because if you, if you really wanted to hide, you'd still be in bed. Man, hide no more. Step into the glorious light. the glorious light of God's grace found in Jesus Christ and his forgiveness and his love for you, his desire for your life, his design for your life. Step into the glorious light so that you can give him glory for what he offers and what he's done and what he wants to do in you. There, there is a pecking order in life, is there not? Pecking order? It's what we do for the Lord Jesus Christ that matters. It's not pleasing your mom or your dad or your grandma or your grandpa or whoever it is that, that matters most. That matters. Children, obey your parents. And for those of you who are no longer children, honor your father and mother, for sure, for sure, for sure. But not to the point of setting God aside and setting the Lord Jesus Christ aside and setting his word aside and, and just deciding that you're going to ignore that and you're going to put your family or whoever it is first. Whoever leaves mother or father, brother or sisters, fields for my sake, Jesus said, will not fail to receive mother, brother, father, sisters a hundred times as much, look around, will not fail to receive a hundred times as much in terms of the family of God and will not fail to receive eternal life. Praise God, so, so many of us have not had to turn our backs on the Lord or, or turn our backs on our family, have not had to leave family have not had to cut against the grain of, of what our moms or our dads or our grandmas or our grandpas wanted us to do. So many of us have not had to do that. We've, we've been able and we've been taught to enter into the grace and the goodness of the Lord Jesus Christ all along just like them. But there are 
others who do have to do that. And while it's not easy, it is crucial, it is vital to receiving the Lord Jesus Christ and to receiving the hundred times as much and to receiving the eternal life. Last thought, I can't help, I can't help, I was sitting there thinking during these baptisms, I've never had this thought during baptisms, I cannot help but think that we are going to be in heaven someday and we are going to ask one another forever, what's your story of grace? Tell me about the grace of Jesus in your life. Tell me about the grace, and then after we spend, you know, days, weeks, months, you know, exhausting somebody's story that way, because we've got all eternity, then we'll go to the next person. Tell me the story of, of your grace, God's work of your grace in, in, in you. I, I gotta believe that we're gonna do that over and over and over. You know why? Because that glorifies God. That glorifies the one who saved us by his grace. question is, are you even going to be there? Do you even have a story of God's grace? We just heard 15 different stories of how God used the circumstances of life to get their attention, prepare their heart, and save their soul. 15 different stories of grace. And you too can have a story of grace as in you too can be saved. You can experience the very same thing that they experienced. The very same salvation if you admit that you're a sinner. Just like each and every one of them did. Admit you're a sinner. The Bible says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And being saved starts by admitting that that's you. Admit you're a sinner. Admit that you're a sinner and that because you're a sinner and God is holy, you are as far from him as infinity, as far from him as you can possibly be. And always will be if you don't start there. That you have a need that you've not only done wrong things, but that you are wrong to the core as in you want to do wrong things. Admit you're a sinner. And believe in Jesus. All oh, believe in Jesus. Believe in who he is and what he did, that when he died on the cross, he died for you. As I think it was Adelina who said, 12 years old, he died for my, I realized at summer camp that he died for my sins. Have you realized that? Do you believe it? Do you believe it? If you too want to be saved, if you too want to be a part of God's massive story of grace, you have to believe in Jesus that when he died, he died for your sins and that when he rose again, it assures that you too will rise again one day when he returns. You have to believe in Jesus so that you can be spared from an eternity of judgment and given eternal life starting right now. Right now and, well, it's redundant, but lasting forever, eternal life. 
Admit you're a sinner, believe in Jesus, and as you heard so many say, repent of your sin. Jesus himself said, repent and believe, repent and believe. Repent and believe because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In other words, God's rule and reign is available to us. His rule and reign in your heart and soul and your life. Repenting of your sin means asking God to forgive you of your sin and making a commitment to stop. And if it's true repentance, if it's a true commitment, you will. You will turn from your sin in the strength that God provides, not by lacing your shoes tighter, or pulling up your bootstraps, whatever bootstraps are. I don't even know what those things are. Not, not by doing it yourself, but in the strength that he provides. He will help you if you but start to turn to him, if you but start to turn from your sin to him, he will meet you in that moment forever and ever, and he will help you to continue to turn from your sin to him. And every moment along the way when you stumble and you get back up and you repent and you return to him, he will meet you and he will help you. It's one of the many, many glories of being saved. Admit you're a sinner, believe in Jesus, repent of your sin, and receive him into your life. That's it, right there. That's, that's how you too can have a story of grace. That's how you too can be saved by God's grace. Receive him into your life to follow him all of your life, with all your life. Follow him as Lord of your life. Living for him instead of for yourself or someone else. Even if it means hardship or difficulty. And it will, it will. If you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, it will not mean that your road is going to be smooth and just a bed of roses for the rest of your life. It will mean that you will have tribulation. It will mean that people will persecute you. It will mean that people will think ill of you. It will mean that people will say things behind your back. It will mean in some of your cases that you will be killed for it if you go to another land maybe and you preach the gospel. It will mean that things will be taken away from you, maybe even in our land someday. Who cares? This life is but a drop in the bucket. 70, maybe 80 years, the Bible tells us. Drop in the bucket compared to the joy and the fullness and the blessings of eternity. Who cares? You too can be saved if you admit, believe, repent, and receive. If that's you, if your heart burns within you, if God's knocking on the door of your heart, let's bow our heads. You pray with me right now, will you? Just call out to him and say, God, I admit it. I just flat out admit it. I'm a sinner. I've done wrong things. I do wrong things. I want to do wrong things. I'm sinful. I admit it. Bend your knee, bend your proverbial knee before the Lord Jesus Christ and admit that you need him. God, I admit it. I admit that I'm facing an eternity separated from you in the torment of hell. But I believe, oh God, I believe in Jesus. I believe that he's the Son of God, God in the flesh. I believe that he's my Savior. 
I believe that when he died on the cross, he died for me, for my sins, taking the penalty that I deserve. I believe. You tell him. I believe. So I repent. I repent of my sins. Lord, please forgive me. Oh God, please forgive me. Wash me white as snow. I believe that what the Bible says, that if I do repent, if I do ask forgiveness, he will cleanse me. And so God, please, please right now, forgive me, wash me. Help me. I receive you into my life. I receive you into my life right now, Lord. No longer me, but you. Less of me, more of you, just like we heard. God, I receive. I receive you right now as my Lord and Savior. I admit, I believe, I repent, and I receive. I'm not going to ask for a response this morning. I am going to ask and I'm going to pray for you in just a minute that your response will be getting baptized next time. That's, that's the ultimate biblical response to your salvation. So I would encourage you, if you just prayed with me, man, rejoice, rejoice, rejoice and make a commitment right now, right now. No matter how scared you think you might be, I'm going to get baptized to show that I love Jesus. He saved my soul and made me whole. Let me pray for you. Lord, Father, thank you for hearing our prayers. Thank you for hearing these prayers. I trust, God, I trust that there have been men and women, students who have just now prayed to receive you as their Lord and Savior. Oh God, thank you for hearing. Oh God, thank you for meeting them. Will you flood them with, with an overwhelming sense of your presence and goodness? Ah, overwhelm them in the best sense of the word that way, God. Take away their sins, indeed. I trust that you have. And God, will you give them an overwhelming desire to hold fast? to follow you all the days of their life, to live for you all the days of their life. Give them an overwhelming desire to do that, God, and a rock-solid commitment that way. And last, Lord, I pray that you will protect them in the days to come. Protect them from the ways of the world. Protect them from the old ways of their heart. Protect them from the evil one. Protect them and hold them and seal them as only you can. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.